Okay, we're looking at the Beatitudes. Uh, so Matthew chapter 5, if you, if you want to find those. Last week we looked at the Beatitude, um, Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, anyone managed to use the word meek this week? Gone? You did? Go on, go for it. Oh. Fantastic. Ah, oh, well, there you go. God speaks to the most unusual people with it sometimes. Good. Well, I would encourage you to keep, keep finding meekness. You know, try, it's, a, it's a characteristic that we need to, uh, to grow in and develop and, and, and see in the world. So, um, yeah, I encourage you to, to keep looking for meekness and, and speaking it out. And also just encourage you, these Beatitudes are a great prayer uh, for our town. I was just walking home uh, back from taking Abby to school and I was just praying for the town and I just found myself, here's, here's a good prayer, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to pray that, I'm blessing this town with that um, because there's a lot of people poor in spirit in our town, right? Um, blessed are those who mourn, for they should be comforted. Let's, let's pray that for this town um, because there's a lot of people who mourn and need comfort in this town. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's bless this town. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's a great prayer to pray for our town. I've been challenged this week to, to be speaking blessing over our town. It's very easy to moan, isn't it? It's very easy to grumble about all kinds of things in our town. And, and I'm not saying that we don't do anything uh, to, to, to try and work for righteousness and justice and, and for, uh, for these things. But let's speak blessing over our town. And, and if you want to find a good place to start, these Beatitudes are a good place to start. So there we are. This week we're focusing on, uh, where are we going to focus on? Verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Okay, so I, I, if you just scan through these Beatitudes, I think um, you might notice that Jesus doesn't really commend sort of just people who trundle along in the middle of the road, people who sort of just like a mediocrity, people who just are plodding along. The blessing seems to come for people in an extreme situation. Um people in downcast positions, the poor in spirit, the mourners, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty. It's not a blessing on those who are just chugging along and muddling through, you know, or getting by. Um, and if you know from Revelation, there's, there's a bit where Jesus says, um, I don't like your lukewarmness. I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you were hot or cold, but lukewarm, I'm just not into. You know, that's my paraphrase. Uh, by the way, that's the Richard Fox translation of... Um, Revelation. You know, Jesus, he's not, he, he's not into lukewarm. That's not his cup of tea. He, he likes it hot or cold. You know, he's iced tea or boiling hot tea, but he's not lukewarm tea. That's how Jesus likes his tea. And he likes pretty much everything like that, it seems. Okay? And so these blessings, you see, are for the most empty, the most distressed, and the most humble, and the most hungry. Not for kind of people who are just a bit peckish. You know? And so 
Today we're looking at this one, it says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, or they will be satisfied. Not people, not blessed are those who are, well, we're okay with the idea of righteousness, you know, and aim in its general direction, or, you know, we're sort of, well, it's all right, yeah, righteousness, take it or leave it kind of thing. But he says, those who hunger and thirst, those are strong words, hunger and thirst for righteousness, there'll be blessing in that because they will find satisfaction. And again, this is good news because I think we live in a world, if we're honest, where there is a lack of satisfaction. There's a lot of dissatisfaction, in fact. There's a lot of people who are continually searching or or doing things to find fulfillment but never actually getting there. It may be most obvious in things like addictions, like drugs and alcohol, where you're, you're, you're always going for the next fix and then you get that fix but then you're always getting for the next thing but it, it you know it plays out more sort of normally for, for us in all kinds of things you know um, in in our jobs or in our family in, in all kinds of ways we, 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 we crave for things um, be it something as simple as biscuits or chocolate I'm sure no, none of us have that kind of issue but um, you know but and we have it but then we want more we're never satisfied we're never satisfied. And so, but Jesus says something here where he says, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness are blessed because they will be satisfied. They will be filled. And so he's calling his people, his disciples, to a passionate and committed desiring of something because in that desiring of that righteousness they will be filled. They will be satisfied. Now, they're extreme words here. Th- hunger and thirst are extreme words. Because if you think about it, this is a matter of life and death, isn't it? Apparently, you can survive um, without water for about three or four days, maximum. I think possibly up to a week if you sat in a room and didn't do anything, possibly. I don't know. But, and I was even reading an article this week of a man who died within 10 hours of not drinking water because he was out in the desert, you know, in extreme heat. And within 10 hours, he was dead because he hadn't had any water. I mean, that's amazing how, how needy we are of water. Um, and, and the same with food. You know, we can s- survive only a few weeks without food, longer without food. But um, the idea of hunger and thirst are things we're talking about which are life and death things. And, and so Jesus says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And I doubt, really, if many of us have really experienced true hunger or thirst. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Um, you know, those, the, the pains that come, the, the emptiness, the lack of energy, the change in our body, the hallucinations. Apparently, if you, you go without water for any length of time, you start to see things and hallucinate things. Um, this guy, uh, no, it was a different, I was reading various different articles, but an article where a guy started to see trees and think they were people, you know, because he hadn't had, um, he was dehydrated. Um, these yearnings of the body because the body's telling you what's the body telling you that I need water I need food um, and it's a matter of life and death I don't need does anyone watch I remember when I started here I, we kind of almost self-righteously said no we don't have a TV you know um, remember that yeah I seem to be quoting a lot of TV programs uh, 
over the years, and I've realised that we actually watch a fair bit of TV on the computer. We do pay for the licence now because we have to. Um, but does anybody watch the programme when it's on, on Channel 4 uh, called The Island? It's Bear Grylls. Uh, anyone? Yeah. You watched a bit of that? Okay. Come on, Keith. Uh, we'll, we'll come around and watch it with me sometime. You'll love it. I'm sure you'll love it. The idea is, you know, Bear Grylls, the kind of, you know, he drops um, a group of people on an island, a desert island, and then they have to survive for four weeks, I think it is, or something like that, just living off the land, you know, and so... The, the, um, and and not only does he drop them, he just he, he doesn't sort of like gently put them on the beach. He he sort of gets the boat, and and they're they're probably I don't know about five hundred meters out from the shore. So, Sorry, can't get the boat in any closer. Yeah, bear. I'm sure you can. You're like SAS trained. I'm sure you can get the boat in closer. You're going to have to swim for it. So they have to jump out the boat and swim to the island, and then then they have to make a camp. And and one of the first things they have to do is find water. And then they have to um, they have to find some food, um, and he keeps saying you've got to kill it, cook it, and eat it. You know that's the thing. But uh, inevitably, it's quite difficult to find food on this island. It's an idyllic place, it seems, until you actually realise that the the one pig that is left on the island is running quite quickly in the opposite direction. You've got to catch it, you know, and this kind of thing. So these people, they get very hungry and they get very thirsty when you watch the program. And it's interesting, because it's like one of these sort of documentaries, it's interesting to see what they start talking about. So they're all around the campfire, sort of, and you see them, you know, they're visibly shrinking. I mean, to the point where they have to have a doctor on, on the show just to check them medically from time to time to make sure that they're not dying, literally. And... But it's interesting, the kind of conversations, you know, they're, they're sitting there on this desert island and it's like, oh, what I'd do now for a steak, you know, <laughs> or I could kill a, a packet of Pringles or something. But whatever their thing is, you know, their body's saying, I'm just, you know. Um, inter it's a really interesting thing, and just how that they just, uh, they crave food. And then when at the end of the show, they get back into the real world and they have their first meal together and they're eating just an apple or something, you know, because they can't have a steak, because if they had something heavy like that, probably their body would probably just keel over and be even worse for them. So they're eating things like watermelon and stuff. And their faces, they're t tasting this stuff for the first time, what we call normal food, after for four weeks. There's this, you can see these, these hunger and this pang is just being satisfied, and they're just going absolutely berserk, you know, because of this food. Um, and that's what hunger does. That's what thirst does when we, we crave after these things. I sat with a man this week in food bank and um, we're just going through, you know, what happens is people come into food bank and you go through the list and, and this guy was obviously more than just needing food for, for the week. He was properly hungry. Properly hungry. And so we, we often have a plate of biscuits and some people will, might politely take one or two but this guy pretty much devoured this plate of biscuits, you know. And so one of the helpers said, do you, have you eaten today? No. And would you like a bowl of soup? And there was absolutely no hesitation. And then he, he wolfed this bowl of soup down. And it was humbling to be able to be there and, and see someone that hungry that just, you know. He hungered for food. Jesus says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. There is that desperation in hunger and thirst when it's real hunger and thirst, that Jesus is talking about. Desperation for righteousness, Jesus says, 
and you will be satisfied. In fact, one of the things this guy said to me in Food Bank, he, he, he said, I'm really grateful for this. He said, but it shouldn't be like this, should it? You shouldn't have to do this. I said, no, it shouldn't. And actually, in saying that, not only was there a hunger in him for the food, but there was a hunger in him for righteousness, right? Because righteousness says, this isn't right. So I want this to be right. Another way of talking about righteousness is justice. This is not just, it's not correct. It's not the way the world should be. How many, how many people have you heard say that? This isn't the way the world should be. And, and Jesus is saying, those who hunger and thirst after that righteousness <coughs> will be filled, they'll be satisfied. Happier those. Remember that these happy attitudes. Happier those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those who crave with a painful longing for justice. Those who desire God's goodness as an essential need for this world. And it comes back to this emptiness thing, because like in the first beatitude, those who are poor in spirit, those who are empty in themselves and need filling up, those will inherit the kingdom of God. In a similar way, when we have that hunger and we have that thirst for God's righteousness, they will be filled. So it's quite an extreme thing Jesus is talking about here. It's not best of those who think righteousness is an okay idea for Sundays and maybe a few odd other times in the week. Um, but actually those who hunger and thirst, like it's life or death, they will be filled, they will be satisfied. There's a real challenge to us here to be <coughs> passionate, uh, to be really seeking after with all who we are after righteousness, as daily nourishment, as a continual longing. And in essence, really, what this is talking about, he's not saying this, but Directly, but he's really saying, he's talking about himself. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for me, for God. Because where do you find righteousness personified in Jesus? Where do you see and know complete justice in God himself? And so the message translation is great. I mean, this, things like this often come out really well in the message I love this. The message says this, for the same verse, it says, you are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever meet, ever eat. You're blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He's food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Now this is good news, okay? This is good news. And it's good news also, if you think of it this way, that for every person who struggles to be right or struggles to be good, which is all of us, don't we? We all struggle to be a good person or a good Christian or a good mum or a good dad or a good sister maybe or a good you know, brother, uh, a good worker, a good neighbour. We struggle that. But do we ever make it? Mm, probably not. But this is good news to us in that because there's a difference between trying to be right and being righteous and desiring righteousness. See, being right or trying to be right or trying to be good will not bring satisfaction, but hungering and thirsting for righteousness will bring fulfillment. And what I mean by that is that when we try to be a good Christian, we will never quite make it and it will actually make us more dissatisfied because we just think, oh dear, 
you know, I'm, 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 gonna, I'm not going to um, be that evil person anymore. I'm, I've got a plan now, and if I keep going each day, I will, I will make it because I will be a, a good and better Christian. And then something happens, and you realize that your plan is then set back quite a few weeks, and so you have to start back to square one. And is that satisfying? No, it is not. Or I'm going to read my Bible more, and so I write out a daily plan. I'm going to get through the whole of the New Testament in four weeks or whatever your plan is and then you get to day two and you realize that you're already seven chapters behind and then you feel more dissatisfied or uh, I'm going to stop doing this particular thing because this is, I know this isn't good for me and, and so I know if I just keep not doing that I'll be okay but then sure enough the next day something happens and we're set back and we're dissatisfied. That's not the Christian life, by the way, because we live by grace and by his power um, and, his, and his spirit in us do we, do we live a free life. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to read our Bible more, or, 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 but it's the seeking of God is, is the key thing in that. I'm not saying we shouldn't try and, in, and, and ask God to, to change us, but it is God who does that, not us. Because otherwise we'll be continued dissatisfied because I can't do it very well myself. I don't know about you. Not very good at changing myself. So being right or being good is quite hard work, right? I mean, everyone agree with that? I mean, it's actually very dissatisfying because we're actually focusing on me and how I get it wrong, which is quite depressing. And so many people, I think, live unsatisfied lives because they never quite make it, never quite get it right themselves. But Jesus doesn't say, get it right yourself. He says, hunger and thirst after righteousness. There's a kind of, a, a kind of an ongoing direction in that. It's not a kind of, just do this and you'll be okay. But he's saying, continually, continually keep thirsting after this. Keep thirsting and hungering after righteousness. And so it's not about you being right, but it's about you seeking after God. And if you do that, you will be filled. You will be filled. You will find joy and satisfaction and, and fulfillment in, in seeking after God and His righteousness. Because His righteousness is a gift of grace to us, which is found in Jesus. The person of Jesus, again, He's the one who brings satisfaction. And the more we taste him, and that's why I think it's great to show a bit of emotion and tell the story, because the more we taste of the kind of thing that Shari was talking about and the kind of thing that, that, that Brian was talking about and then Reg has been inspired with, the more we taste of God, the more we'll want. And the more satisfied we'll be. Because it's not like chocolate. Apparently there's lots of foods, um, Cheerios and, and, and tomato ketchup, usually sugary foods, that you, that you can eat more of them and actually they make you more hungry. So they leave you less satisfied. Um, but Jesus isn't like that. Keith looking, really? Mm, this is why I like the biscuits. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> you start your day with Cheerios, it's a bad start, apparently. Um, but Jesus isn't like that. You know, the more we taste and see of him, the more yes we'll want of him, but the more filled and satisfied we will be. And the less we will want the things of this world that bring that don't bring satisfaction, the less we'll have to want to feel that we have to try ourselves 
and, and feel we fail, but the more we want of him and see him bringing victory and salvation and freedom in our lives. It's only in Jesus we find that righteousness. And the more we taste of him, the more we want of him. You are blessed when you've worked up a good appetite for God. He is food and drink and the best meal you'll ever eat. In Jesus we find that true righteousness. In Jesus is true justice. You know, when, when wrongs are made right. Do you remember when he, he catches that woman in adultery? Or they, well, he doesn't catch them. They bring this woman to him and so they say, this woman's been caught in adultery. Now, the, they're expecting him to do the right thing, to be right. But what he does is he brings righteousness. And he says, well, any of you? Um, have any sins of yourself? If you, ha- if you don't, then you cast the first stone and they, none of them do and they all go. And then he says to the woman, where have they all gone? Hmm, they've all gone. They don't condemn you, neither do I. But go and sin no more. That's righteousness. That's Jesus and his righteousness. True, true righteousness in Jesus overcomes evil with good and not fighting force against force. You know, and the, Jesus said, turn the, the other cheek, doesn't he? If someone hits you, turn the other cheek. And on the cross, he demonstrated beautifully and amazing how he did that. And rather than fighting against the Romans, he just absorbed it, took it, took it, took it, and then still overcame death and sin. That's true righteousness. You know, in Jesus, there's righteousness where everyone's equal. There's so much of this stuff going on at the moment. We're equality, this and that. But we, if we try and do it ourselves, it just doesn't work and it's not very satisfying. But in Jesus, there is no male, female, slave, free, Jew or Greek. You know, we're all one. We're all unified. There is righteousness there. Just a few examples of his righteousness. And if we seek and we hunger after him, the more we see of him, the more we know of him, the more we hunger, but the more satisfied we are. It's a strange thing with him, with Jesus. Hunger and thirst for the righteousness of Jesus. It's not a, an idea. I think sometimes in our evangelical way, we, th- we think of righteousness as just, I am righteous before God, and so it's like we're in the court uh, before God and he's the judge and we're righteous and Jesus says right you're righteous and that's it we can kind of go thank you and we stand there and think phew just made it yeah do, do you get, kind of get that feeling sometimes that so we're, we're taught as Christians it seems sometimes like you're just okay you're alright you've been let off and you, stare, you stand there slightly like a rabbit in the headlights thinking I think I've just about made it yep we're okay and everyone's looking around yep alright now, righteousness does work like that. Yes, he has made us right in God's sight. Yes, that's true. But it's not to stand there like a rabbit in headlights and think, phew, made it, and collapse in a heap afterwards and think, right, that's it. Glad that's over. But it's actually to live in the flow of, of the way of Jesus, who is true righteousness. And to hunger and thirst of living in the Jesus way. And each day that we yearn and grasp for more of him in our life so that we are become more right, so that we're able to act in his ways and, and, and live in his ways and see more righteous things happening around us. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, Jesus says. The more you taste it, the more you see it, the more you'll want it and the more you'll be satisfied in it. It's almost like Jesus is saying, there are so many things in this world that you can hunger after, but if you hunger after this one thing, my righteousness and me, 
you will be satisfied. You will find fulfillment. So I'll come back to that, that translation for the message. Work up an appetite for God. Surround yourself by people that are telling stories of, of him. Work up that appetite for God and, because he's the food and drink in the best meal you'll ever eat. Blessed, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this strange meal that we can eat of your righteousness that leaves us wanting more but at the same time satisfies us completely. I pray in all of us that this not be something that um, we just treat as a sort of a, a technical thing where we, we are now Christians and we're righteous in God's sight and that's okay. But let it be something as more than that, that it, it brings a yearning in us for more of you, for more of who you are, more of how you work, more how you work in this world around us. We want more of Jesus. We hunger and we thirst after you. And we yearn for you. We want to taste and see that you are good. And know that filling and the satisfaction that comes only from you. And as we hunger for you, make us more like you. Make us more in the way of your righteousness and your justice. Rather than us trying to be right, let us know your righteousness. Rather than us trying to be good, let us know your goodness working in us from the inside out. Forgive us, Lord, where we try in our own strength, but we say with this hunger and this thirst, we are empty ourselves. We need the filling of you to make this happen. Otherwise, we're going the wrong way. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. We hunger and thirst for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen.